Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today we are discussing episode 22 and the first half of episode 23 of the story of Minglan, This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com if you have any questions. For today's episode, we will do an episode recap and then some history. There's not a whole lot of history in these two episodes, but then Kathy will do a whole slew of um, book differences, which we think will help round out the characters that while the drama does a good job at, the book does an even better job at. Let's start off with the recap. Episode 22 starts where episode 21 left off. Minglan and her adorable grandma Sheng are debriefing about how Madame Wang or Wang Danyangzi basically helped Minglan clean her house of spies. Minglan was originally worried Grandma Sheng would be upset at her scheming, but instead, Grandma Sheng leaves her with a couple of nuggets of truth that I personally think we should all abide by. Grandma Sheng says, In the future, no matter your brother, your mother, your husband, or your children, they will not be able to accompany you for your entire life. You must walk your own path. What do you think? Isn't that very wise? Ultimately, Grandma Sheng is saying that you should never depend on someone too much. Which I, I believe is true. But I also think the underlying message here is that it's okay to scheme against your loved ones in order to live comfortably. In this society, yes, if Milan was going to act like her older sister, Rulan, she'd be dead like a million times over. Milan at first doesn't respond, and she's still kind of worried that uh, she schemed to get this result. Grandma Sheng then asks Milan, hey, if you had to redo this, would you still scheme the way you did? Minglan's like, yes. And Grandma Sheng's like, absolutely. You should have done that. Don't apologize. And Grandma Sheng just says, do what you must. That's why she's an absolute gem. In the next scene, we see that it is the wedding for Sheng Changbai. So the second brother of Minglan and the, or the second son of the Sheng family. And his new wife, Hai Zhao Yun, she's like a tertiary character in the drama. This is the first of several weddings uh, we'll see in the drama, though the scene is rather simple. We don't really see the, uh, the bride and groom. The main story is not about Changbai's wedding, but around the arrival of Ping Ning Junzhu and her son, Qi Hong. As we'll remind listeners, this is actually a great honor to have such esteemed guests at the Sheng household because they're low status or they're relatively low status compared to the likes of a princess and the son of a duke. This to me is a hilarious, if not cringy scene. Qi Hong thinks his mother is here to help him propose marriage to Minglan. His mother, though, has other thoughts. 
She at first is rather haughty and passive aggressive in her comments towards the Sheng family. But you'll see that Grandma Sheng is able to retort well. So again, I'm like, yes, Grandma. The topic shifts to the beautiful Sheng daughters. After the princess, so Qi Heng's mother, compliments the daughters a bit, she calls Qi Heng in to the main hall, who arrives almost tripping over himself in excitement. He thinks that his mom is going to uh, propose marriage to Minglan. But once in the hall, the princess says that, didn't Qi Heng, you always want to have younger sisters? Why don't we name these Sheng daughters as your Di Qin Mei Mei, or your younger sisters? The key word here is Di Qin, which implies from the same mother. This stunned Qi Heng and the rest of the Sheng family, who promptly say that, oh, you know, the princess, are you probably tipsy from drink for such a thought? The princess, though, is rather adamant and says that she even prepared gifts. The atmosphere immediately becomes icy or somewhat cringy, in my opinion. On the surface, this is a great honor, being the sister of a duke. But what this means is that Ti Hung can never marry a Sheng daughter. Obviously, how can you marry your own sister, right? Even in that time. Ti Hung positively deflates at the news. Ming Lan is holding back tears, but has no other choice but to respectfully accept the gift from Ti Hung to signify that they are now brother and sister. Aw, poor boy. Tihong's just like staring at his mom, staring at Minglan, and is like, no, 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 this cannot happen. But alas, under his mother's pretty powerful gaze, he accepts his fate. That night, both Wang Dan Yangzi and Grandma Sheng are separately upset about this. They think, and rightly so, that this talk of being siblings is actually a humiliation to the Sheng daughters. Wang Danyangzi doesn't think too much of it after recognizing that this is probably for the best. She also really just thinks that, oh, even though her daughter has missed her chance, Mulan has also missed her chance, so in the end, it's not a big loss. Grandma Sheng comes to the same conclusion that this was probably the best scenario, but she also does understand that Mulan did like Ti Hong. So Milan's probably heartbroken right now. Grandma Sheng knows deep down that this match would not have worked, but what if Milan is able to marry into a prosperous household? That would mean a lot less pain than her current situation. So with that, Grandma Sheng vows to find a good match for Milan. And what does she do? So the next morning, Grandma Sheng devises a plan to give Minglan some space and, uh, you know, clear her head a bit. Apparently, Minglan has a fever, which Grandma Sheng accurately deduced as a result of crying all evening over what happened. Oh, poor girl. Grandma Sheng calls her son over for breakfast to discuss visiting the Sheng family in their hometown of Youyang. Okay, I'm going to gloss over explicitly explaining the relations here as it'll get complicated. Basically, she says that her dear elderly sister-in-law's health is deteriorating 
and it would be a good idea to visit her and the family before her sister-in-law passes. Sheng Hong, a character we haven't seen in a while, agrees and suggests that he accompany Grandma Sheng. Grandma Sheng kindly refutes this idea as he has to stay in court in case the emperor needs something. After going through a few rounds of who should accompany her, Grandma Sheng nonchalantly asks for Ming Lan. This will allow the role of the manager of the family to return back to Wang Dan Yangzi. Sheng Hong hears this and agrees. There's not much he can say. I will say, though, uh, Ming Lan spent all those episodes scheming and plotting to remove spies from her household. And then within the next episode, the <laughs> next first half of the next episode is like, uh, OK, we'll relinquish this power back to Wang Dan Yangtze. So uh, what was the point of removing all those spies? Right. <laughs> Shortly after Ming Lan and Grandma Sheng set sail for Yoyang. Upon doing research, there isn't actually a historical town called Youyang, so uh, it looks like it was just made up um, for the book and to help, you know, have a setting for the hometown of the Sheng family. The rest of the episode and the next couple of episodes revolve around Minglan's adventures outside of Bianjing or the capital city during the Song Dynasty. The whole point of Grandma Sheng bringing Ming Lan to Youyang is to give her space away from the heartbreak over Ti Hong. But guess what? The young duke actually gets on a ship and chases her down the river. Guys, how romantic is this? He sends a messenger to her boat that says he wants to speak with her. At first, Ming Lan is reluctant, but Grandma Sheng agrees it's probably for the best that the two speak face to face. And so, Ming Lan uses an excuse of grabbing medicine for Grandma Sheng to dock and is able to see Ti Hong. Side note, can we also just talk about how uh, tiresome this is? In order to get on the dock or dock and land and speak to somebody as a woman, you have to have a uh, legitimate excuse. And also in the scene, she is wearing... Um, like a caped hat to make sure that people don't really see her face. That's so tiresome, right? Well, when Minglan sees Ti Hong, the uh, smitten Ti Hong reaffirms his affections for her and his intention to marry her. He says he'll do anything possible to make his mother agree to this marriage. Ming Lan, deep down, probably knows this is not going to happen, but in this moment, she wants to believe that she is able to achieve happiness. Si Hong the Romantic even gifts Ming Lan a female porcelain doll as a token of his love. The male version, he said, he's kept for himself. Oh, how cute is that? Ming Lan returns to her boat to continue on to Youyang while Ti Hong returns to the capital. And on the boat at night, Ming Lan reminisces about her interactions with Ti Hong. She is most definitely moved by his uh, moving and romantic words. I mean, any girl would be when you have such a upstanding, handsome duke professing love to you and giving you uh, tokens of love. What would you do? We get peace for about two minutes before something happens. That night, chaos breaks out. 
It's the dead of night, and Minglan and company hear fighting and screaming from a nearby ship. They can't see what's happening, but people are being tossed overboard. The logical conclusion is that there are pirates on the river looking to pillage the ships. It's a tense moment, and Minglan shows us once again that she does extremely well under pressure. Without knowing exactly what's going on, she leaps into action, waking up her sleeping grandmother and putting her onto a tiny rowboat to be rowed to shore for safety. She concludes that there's bound to be guards on shore, so once ashore, they should be safe and uh, the guards will send for reinforcements. But after the boat leaves, Ninglan and the rest of her maids are left on the boat to fend for themselves. Shortly after, the pirates board their ship and the situation turns very tense. Minglan and her maid Xiao Tao escape to the roof of the ship as they hear the pirates capturing a maid below who betrays Minglan but is then killed. Minglan has no other choice but to tell her maid Xiao Tao to jump into the water for a chance of survival. This brings us to episode 23. On the roof of the ship, the pirates, or you could say bandits, discover Minglan and look to capture her. After a brave effort in pushing back the pirates, and honestly quite impressive, Minglan also jumps into the water as a way to try to save herself. Her clothes drag her down and she is resigned to her fate. As she sinks into the water, she sees the doll that Tihong gifted her also falling into the water right beside her, which she grabs tightly as her last source of comfort before passing out. A figure dives in after her and saves her. Phew, what a harrowing experience for Minglan and for us viewers. I was like, my heart was thumping the entire time watching that. The next scene, we see Minglan wake up in a tent Clothes changed and hair redone and being watched over by an adorable young girl. This girl is super sweet, making sure that Minglan is covered up warmly under the blankets and, upon seeing Minglan wake up, pours her ginger tea to help warm her up. Minglan is rather befuddled at her surroundings and at first is a little apprehensive about what happened to her, only to discover that her savior is none other than... The young girl tending to Minglan is Gu Tingye's daughter, Zhongjie. Interestingly, Minglan doesn't actually recognize Gu Tingye at first. Eh, I'll give it to her. He now has a full beard and it's dark out. I think he's the last person on her mind that she'll have met, so it makes sense. This scene to me is actually quite interesting because on one hand, it shows that Minglan is um, someone who repays kindness fully because she reveals her true name to Gu Tingye without knowing who he was at the beginning when he first arrived. And then Gu Tingye, on the other hand, is actually behaving like a true gentleman because he says she should not have revealed this information to him because of the circumstances where uh, or of how he discovered her. He saved her in the water. She had changed clothes, and you recognize that it wasn't Gu Tingye who changed her clothes. The young girl, so Rongjie, said it was um, her auntie, meaning that another woman changed Minglan's clothes and did her hair. 
If Gu Tingye did any of that, that would have been a huge stain on Minglan's reputation. We've talked about this before, and Kathy has ranted about Gu Tingye plenty before, but these are certain instances where you see that Gu Tingye actually cares a lot about um, protecting Minglan's reputation, or at least knows about how to protect a woman's reputation. We'll talk about this a little bit more um, in the later part of this podcast episode, but I thought this scene was very interesting to watch. Minglan is led out of the little tent to the riverbed where she's introduced to the rest of Cao Bang. This includes Gu Tingye's servant Shi To, his brother, and his brother's wife. It's a grand old time, and they revealed that their motley crew had been getting into skirmishes with the bandits or pirates, which is why they just happened to be nearby. Minglan and Gu Tingye go for a stroll, in which the two have a rather candid heart-to-heart. They have an honest conversation, and the, the atmosphere is much more different than the last time they met when both of them were shouting at each other about Menyang. <laughs> Gu Tingye tells Minglan he's here as a part of Cao Bang or a part of the Motley crew because he's searching for his son, and he tells her what happened uh, with Manyang. Minglan, after seeing their situation, tries to persuade Gu Tingye to rethink his actual current livelihood right now, if not for himself, but for his daughter. Minglan tells Gu Tingye that his daughter will grow up to be whatever her father is. If he's a bandit, she'll be a bandit's daughter. If he's a marquis, she'll grow up to be a marquis's daughter. As the father of a daughter, Gu Tingye must plan for his daughter's future. Gu Tingye is genuinely surprised at Milan. How would she know what's best for a daughter? She doesn't have kids. Milan, however, says, I'm a daughter, and I know how difficult it is. She then brings up the story of Chu Long and Zhao Taiho from the Strategies of the Warring States. Her mother taught her this story when she was young. And the moral of this story is that parents will plan for their children's future. I'll dive into the historical analysis later, but the line about parents will plan for their children's future is one of the central tenets of the story of Minglan. Gu Tingye is actually very impressed. He then reveals to Milan the betrayal he experienced from his own stepmother. Milan recounts her experience when she was young, trying to save her mother. No one wanted to help. No one bothered to help except for him. Once her mother died, everyone else returned to their own happy family. She was just left with her own thoughts and a grandmother's love. Minglan pauses and turns to Gu Tingye. She's shocked that she revealed so much in his presence. She pleads for him to not tell anyone and continues to implore to Gu Tingye to plan for his daughter's future. Minglan leaves shortly after and is sent uh, to be reunited with her grandmother. Inspired by her words, Gu Tingye decides to do something with his life. And what does he do? He decides to join the army. And that is where we'll leave this episode recap. 
Ming Lan was heartbroken, but met up with Ti Hung and experienced uh, or encountered bandits, but was then saved by Gu Tingye. Now she is going to be reunited with her grandmother, and we will meet the uh, Sheng family in Youyang in the next podcast episode. reference mentioned in these two episodes is just the story of Chu Long and Zhao Taihou from Zhan Guocu or the strategies of the warring states. The original uh, author of this story is unknown and it is believed that many people contributed to its compilation uh, and it was first compiled during the Han dynasty so 2000 plus years ago. The story of Chu Long and Zhao Taihou, uh, with, which translates to uh, um, Empress Dowager Zhao, is that the Empress Dowager Zhao of the state of Zhao was in power, and the state of Zhao was in great peril. The nearby state of Qin was mobilizing its forces to conquer the state of Zhao. The Qin army had already captured three cities, and the state of Zhao sent a plea of help to form an alliance with the state of Qi. The state of Qi agreed under the condition that Empress Dowager Zhao send her youngest son, Chang Anjun, to the state of Qi as a, I guess, collateral or basically a hostage. This will ensure that the Zhao state and the Qi state will actually uh, work together. But the Empress Dowager Zhao refused, leading to the state of Zhao almost to the brink of destruction. It was at this time that the advisor Chu Long bravely stepped forward to discuss the matter with the Empress Dowager. Chu Long apologizes for not paying his respects to the Empress Dowager earlier, and the two exchange pleasantries about exercise and food. Then Chu Long requests for his young 15-year-old son to be a guard at the palace. He himself is getting old, but still needs to plan for his son's future and well-being. The Empress Dowager, surprised, asks, do men also pamper and love their young children? Chu Long responds, why yes, even more than women. The Empress Dowager disagrees. Women love their children more. Chu Long then turns the topic towards the Empress Dowager and says, I believe your majesty loves your daughter Yan Ho more than your son Chang Anjun. The Empress Dowager quickly retorts, no, that's not true. Chu Long then states this line and is the line that is consistently repeated in this drama and as Kathy mentioned, is a key tenet or probably the tenet of uh, this drama. The quote translates to The love of a parent means that they will plan long and far for their children. So in the story, Chu Long says, Your Majesty, when your daughter married, you pray that she will always stay in the state of Yan. It's not to say that you don't miss her. You knew that her best prospects are to stay there and birth a son who will be the future king of the state of Yan. You planned for her future. 
Chulong then turns the conversation towards the Empress Dowager's youngest son, Chang Anjun. Chulong gives examples that brothers and sons of kings don't live very long. He continues to make the argument that as a royal with no merit, what will happen when the Empress Dowager passes? The Empress Dowager must plan for his son's future and not just think of the current situation. Her son must earn his place in the world. Upon hearing these words, the Empress Dowager agreed to the state of T's demands and sent her son as a hostage in order to secure an alliance. The state of T sent troops and successfully warded off the invasion from the state of Qin. Moral of the story, parents will always plan or should always plan for their children's future. Following these words, we have already seen a few examples of parents trying to plan as best they could for their children. Number one is Minglan's mother. Upon Minglan's deathbed, and this is why Minglan's mother taught Minglan this story. Minglan's mother told Minglan that she had to go live with Grandma Sheng. It's because Minglan's mother knew that by living with Grandma Sheng, that was the best opportunity or best way for Milan to survive. If we look at a few other parents in the drama, Gu Tingye's stepmother is a devious and manipulative person, but she is planning as best she can for her son. Lin Xiangyang, another terrible person, but she's also trying what she can to uh, scheme and plot so that her daughter, Moilan, can marry well, and that her son can also do better in life. All of these parents, or most of these parents, are trying to do what's best for their children because it's not something that you can just think about and plan in the moment, but it's something that you have to think about longer term. These are the words that Gu Tingye needs to hear because, yes, if his daughter were to stay with him as a member of a, a gang, uh, not making any money and just being out and about with no real home, his daughter would be the one to suffer the most. Oh boy, that was a lot for uh, one historical uh, analysis. Now let's dive into book differences, and there's a lot to discuss. In the drama, this is the first time that Minglan travels back to the Sheng family estate in Youyang, and she travels with her beloved grandma. In the book, this is the second time, and she travels instead with a cousin, Sheng Changwu, his pregnant wife, Kang Yun'er, and her own younger brother, Sheng Changdong. Changwu is mentioned briefly earlier in the episode, and Sheng Changdong as a character doesn't exist in the drama. Grandma Sheng traveled earlier than Milan to Youyang. In the book, Qi Hong doesn't meet her long, the journey, and that part was added for the drama. Again, in the book, Qi Hong doesn't really play a major part. In the whole confrontation against the pirates and bandits, Milan is way more badass in the book. I wish they portrayed more of her intelligence here in the show. Since they don't, I'll dive into what she does in the book. On the trip down the river, apart from the Sheng family boat, there are two other families traveling in different boats. There are cargo boats in the front and rear of the convoy, and patrol boats to protect the families and cargo ships 
are in the middle. So are the three boats holding the families mentioned earlier. The pirates aren't very polished because they first target a cargo ship. The surprise attack gave the other ships enough time to regroup for people to flee and mount a retaliation. Minglan orders her cousin Chang Wu to take his wife and younger brother ashore in a small boat. She stays on the boat with the maids and some guards. Because the family is returning to the Sheng family estate, they brought a significant amount of valuables and goods. Minglan hurriedly orders the maids to toss out and blow out all the candles. Then she has some of the maids go into the cargo hold to tie up some of the small metal boxes holding valuables and has her maid Xiao Tao tie them to the bottom of the boat. That way the valuables won't be found and they won't be lost. Xiao Tao in the book is a very strong swimmer, so uh, all of that was left to her. Minglan then orders everyone left on the boat to hide in the kitchen. Her reasoning is that not all of the bandits will be able to swim to the boat, and there's about like 10 plus rooms that they will have to search. And since they just swam aboard, it's unlikely that they can start a fire to begin searching really quickly. These factors will at least give them a fighting chance. The girls hidden in the kitchen actually quickly and quietly dispatch two pirates that make their way aboard and over to the kitchen. Minglan personally stabs one in the chest with a hairpin. Unfortunately, as is in the drama, one maid reveals that Minglan is still in the boat. With no other option, she then orders everyone to jump and flee the boat. In the span of two minutes or half of a chapter, we see Minglan's quick thinking and fearlessness. She confidently orders her maids to prepare for the worst and plans for all the valuables as well. In the drama, she just has Xiao Tao jump and she kind of fights off some of the pirates. I didn't really get that part. I mean, I guess they couldn't really get to her. That I think is just for drama purposes. In the book, she was way more quick thinking and she had a lot of guts. I mean, she stabbed a person. Well, in the book, she swims for like a hot second before she's rescued by another woman. The woman brings her to shore and Milan is quickly wrapped in a blanket. When Gu Tingye shows up, she immediately recognizes him. Similar to the show, Gu Tingye is now a leader of Cao Bang. His servant, Shi Tou, Shi Tou's brother and sister-in-law, who is the woman who rescued her, are all assisting in dispatching the bandits. This group actually heads back to the Sheng family boat because Minglan tells Gu Tingye that her maids are still there. Gu Tingye shoots more bandits swimming in the water with his bow and arrows. And Minglan actually returns to see that not much was damaged. That was something that I was thinking about. Like, what happened to the other maids in the drama? We only saw one maid die and then um, Xiao Tao jumped overboard. But uh, what happened to the others? No idea. Well, after saying that everything is fine, in the book, Milan and Gu Tingye also have another discussion. In the book, by this point, Milan and Gu Tingye have only met a handful of times. And in this instance, Milan and Gu Tingye have a rather frank conversation about Gu Tingye's marriage prospects. 
I like the overall conversation in the drama better because Minglan and Gu Tingye actually have had discussions before and they have a history. In the book, it's a lot more uh, formal. And because they don't really know each other, it's the topics are a bit more superficial. Uh, so there's that difference. However, in the book, there is one line that Minglan says that describes, in my mind, Gu Tingye perfectly. The quote from the book is this. This translates to, Uncle, even though it seems like you are the most rebellious man in the capital, you deep down are as traditional as can be. Gu Tingye retorts with one line that describes Ming Lan perfectly. The quote is this, 你的一举一动虽瞧着再规矩不过了，其实骨子里却嗤之以鼻。平日还能装的四模四样，可亦有变故。立马便露了马脚，只盼着你能装一辈子，莫叫人揭穿了。This translates to, even though every step you take strictly follows convention, but deep down you despise it. Usually, you can hide your disdain, but as soon as something happens, this facade disappears. I hope you can hide this forever, and no one will expose you. What do you think, listener? Don't you think this describes the two of them perfectly? Gu Tingye, for all of his rebellious ways, still adheres to strict social norms and stratifications. He won't marry Manya. He wants to respect his family and be respected in society. Milan, on the other hand, has no choice but to adhere to the rules of this unfair society. However, in the book and in the drama, we've seen time and again how she's tried to rebel. I personally wish the drama kept these lines in during the conversation. It shows that these two people actually understand each other. In the drama, as with the conversation we saw here, I feel like Gu Tingye is just more appreciative of Minglan's words of encouragement to plan for his daughter's future, and it's not really a conversation about the two of them. In the book, it is this encounter that sows the seeds of interest in Gu Tingye's mind towards Sheng Minglan. But also, as I mentioned earlier, I think the scene where Gu Tingye saves Minglan and she recognizes that it's him perfectly encapsulates these two lines that Kathy explained earlier. Minglan, while worried about who changed her clothes and changed her hair, ultimately shared her real name with a potential stranger after seeing, you know, his daughter. Whereas Gu Tingye straight up just says, you should not have told me this. And he was, I'm sure he told um, the aunt to change Minglan's clothes and hair because he knew Minglan would be very upset and could potentially ruin her reputation if he saved her or it was known that he saved her. This again shows that he cares about uh, societal rules, whereas she focuses more on thanking the person who saved her. Well, that is it for this podcast episode of the story of Minglan. Milan has her heart broken, not by Tihong, but by the social norms of the time. And she just survived a harrowing bandit attack and met none other than Gu Tingye. 
In the next episode, we will see her adventures in Yoyang with her relatives. As always, if you have any comments or questions on the show or what was discussed in today's episode, please let us know. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.